now with the red wing line, right wing, to a wide open Keith, left circle, fires, he scores! There's a shot by Nylander, he scores! Behind the net to Tate, he shoots and scores! Doubling back, Duncan Keith, still got the jump, to a wide open Keith, left circle, fires, he scores! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. There goes the goaltender, Franzrep. Oh, and he shouldn't have left the net. David Camp with a loose puck. Fires it down toward the empty net. He scores! Red wing line on the right wing. Bats it down behind the net. Bounces out the cave. He shoots and scores! Chris Bowden and Scott King break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Jonathan Cave into the top shelf. Now, here they are. Chris Bowden and Scott King. Hey, hey, how about that? We're really getting fancy here with our Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. An official introduction. You'll hear other drop-ins along the way. And uh, we're glad and thankful for uh, the hard work our producer, Curtis Koch, and the dulcet tones of the great Ernie Scatton uh, being a part of the podcast as well. So we're looking forward to that, grateful for that opportunity. And uh, unfortunately, the Blackhawks weren't quite so fancy in their season opener in Prague. Finally, the wait is over, underway. The season is finally underway after a six-month wait, and um, I'm sure there's a level of disappointment, not only within the team, obviously within some of the fans out there, with the 4-3 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think the disappointment is most in the fact that there weren't any extended stretches of this game in Prague, Scott, where it seemed the Blackhawks carried play. This was largely a Philadelphia Flyers kind of... uh, setting the tempo, especially from the second period on. We'll get some post-game reaction from Kane and Taves and head coach Jeremy Colleton saying, okay, the first period, not too bad. But after that, it seemed the Blackhawks were chasing. I think from that standpoint, it's it's probably the most disappointing aspect of coming home empty-handed without any points. That's what I saw as well and heard on the radios. They, didn't, they did not dictate the play. That was, it was the Flyers. Um, whether or not the the stats uh, that they also might have had some trouble with there in Prague uh, <laughs> illustrated that or not, you know, obviously a, a great game from Kane. From Kane, uh, good to see Nylander contribute the way he did in his debut with the Blackhawks, and probably an okay game for Crawford. I think definitely on that wraparound for the game winning goal. Uh, he could have been set, and, and he'd like that one back. But, you know, again, Corey Crawford, even even after that, late in the game, battled back, kept a minute the whole game, and, uh, yeah, first game. They'll work out the kinks. They got some practices before the home opener. Yeah, and, and that also becomes, based on what we saw in this first game, all the more important because you're happy that uh, when you first see the schedule, maybe you're not too crazy that they have – Six a six day lapse between you know this game and when they're back in action Thursday against San Jose, but uh, based on what we saw some of the performances, you're almost happy that they might have to get two or three practices under their belt, kind of settle things down because you know we've been mentioning it since we saw the schedule come out. This seven game stretch right at the top of the season is going to be awfully important. You know if you're going to consider yourself a playoff contender. Obviously, we saw what the St. Louis Blues did last year. You know. Uh, it all is not lost in an opening month of the season. But nevertheless, you're putting seven home games in the bank right off the bat. And in that one stretch in February or from, from mid-January to the end of February where you're barely home at all, all of a sudden there's some urgency here. So it would have been urgency whether the Blackhawks had come away with two points or the zero that they are left with coming home from Prague. But you know when you, when you look at it, there weren't a whole lot of guys that were kind of immune from Eh, so-so performances when you're reacting to how they played, with the exception of 88, who has himself a three-point night. Maybe a couple of other players there and there, but, uh, you know, 
Blame is a harsh word, but uh, there there weren't a whole lot of guys who could absolve themselves from from blame after this 4-3 loss either. Yeah, obviously the Brinkett looked good too, who we'll talk about later. And, and they were missing some guys. You know, Dahan, Murphy have a chance to be two of the most valuable defensemen this year. Should have them ready for the home opener. So, And, and that, that factored into, I think, uh, not having those guys is uh, a weakness in shot suppression. They, they game total... 38 shots on goal by the Flyers, 28 after the second period. Mm-hmm. So a little a little better in the third period, but that's something Carlton and the Hawks said that they really uh, wanted to work on and limit this year, and they were not able to uh, today. You don't want that to be a recurring theme, and it was particularly tough for that um, third pair of defensemen. Guys, when you, you, know, you look at the overall roster, if everyone's healthy, you're not expecting a Dennis Gilbert or a Slater Cuckoo to be in there in the lineup. Uh, great seventh or sixth or seventh or eighth guys, but with Dehan and Murphy out of the lineup, you would expect a better quality on the blue line when those guys, when everyone is all healthy. Taking nothing away from Dennis Gilbert, who had himself a real nice camp. Um, Cuckoo is fairly solid, but that first goal coming off the turnover from Dennis Gilbert and then the power play goal, that was just bad luck for Slater Cuckoo. And the, yeah. the, the shot goes off the crossbar by Lindblom, and then Cuckoo's skating in to try and clean it up, but unfortunately <laughs> it goes off his body into the net. So not the greatest of days for them, but you can't simply point the finger at them. Like like I said, the, the blame is pretty much spread around in this one, and you know uh, they're going to have to regather themselves. And we mentioned the, the guy who was probably had the strongest game was number 88. It was him and Taves together a lot of the times with Alex Nylander, Jeremy Carlton, you know, early in the third period, decided to put Drake Kajula up there, as he said he he would normally do that. But uh, Patrick Kane comes up with a goal and two assists in this one, and uh, he spoke with the media and had this reaction to the 4-3 loss afterwards. You know, I think we made a nice goal there at the end to, uh, um, you know, keep it within reach and give us some momentum, but I think... Uh, that's a period where you know we want to dominate teams and we feel like we can especially with our transition game and the way we should be able to hold teams in their end and uh create momentum that way so definitely something to improve upon um and uh it's uh, it's a big aspect of the game that second period what do you try taking away from this game then well i don't know i mean uh, i like that we fought back you know it was uh 3-1, they were dominating the game, and um, we could have easily just, you know, folded up and, and called it quits, but we fought back, made it a game, and uh, came close to, uh, to tying it up. Well, I mean, I think there's always things to improve upon. Um, you know, preseason, regular season's always a little bit different, and uh, kind of takes a, for some reason, you know, every year it takes me a little bit to get into the game, so... You know, whatever the numbers were tonight, I still think I have more to give to the team and create can create more and uh, um, have the puck a little bit more out there, too. So just keep building here. So Scott Kane credited with an assist on the first Blackhawks goal, whether that actually was legit or not, <laughs> whether he got his stick on the turnover by Ivan uh, Provorov for the Philadelphia Flyers that led to Alex Nylander's breakaway. But that has to be a huge confidence booster for Nylander here. You could see it kind of growing during the course of training camp, and him scoring this team's first goal of the year in his first game with the Blackhawks uh, I think has to be a, a, a shot in the arm. And I don't think Jeremy's move to take him off that top line was you know, any particular punishment for Nylander. It was just uh, you know, trying to put 
you know, all the chips in a bottle, shake them up and see if you can get some more consistent, you know, offensive firepower throughout the lineup when that was lacking through the first two periods overall. Yeah, he moved a lot of guys around. And Nylander, as we saw in training camp, I thought he came into camp and, and throughout the preseason had a lot of confidence. And he, he was in on the offense a lot. And we continued to hear Colleton address his play away from the puck pretty consistently. And, and so maybe maybe some concern there. Uh, would have to take a, another look at uh, the opener here. But I, you know, the, for all his critics that were either in Buffalo or people skeptical about him coming here, you look what he did on a big stage to open the season for the Hawks. Pretty impressive. And that's a very skilled goal, too. He has... Uh, a defender was on him. He kind of pulled the puck in and uh, shot it past the guy. Kind of, I think he picked the right corner of the net. Just, just a beautiful goal. Yeah, the, this is not by any means a final answer. He's going to have to continue proving himself when yeah. we hear the coaching staff and even himself say that. But uh, uh, those are the first couple of comments that we hear from Jonathan Taves talking about Nylander's performance with him and Patrick Kane on that top line. Uh, I think we're we're just getting going. I think uh, you know we're getting more and more comfortable together uh, playing with Kaner and. I think once we start really knowing what the the other guys are doing on the on the ice, uh, plays will become second nature, and then uh, things will just start to fall into place. And when you're not uh, second guessing what what's going on or where guys are for support, you know you're going to keep plays alive and you're going to get more chances like that. This is an unusually warm arena. How how is the ice? Uh, I mean, uh, not going to complain about the ice. It's the same for both teams, but. To be honest with you, it wasn't good at all. So it is what it is. What positives do you take away from today? Um, well, it's been a good trip. I think we've we've spent a lot of time together, just the fellows getting to know each other, a lot of new guys, as as we've said. Um, so disappointed with the fact that we couldn't uh, find a way to win today. Got ourselves behind a little bit, maybe uh, lagging a little bit in the second period, and and that ended up hurting us. But um, I think we're seeing a lot of positives, a lot of things we can build on, and uh, I think we'll, we'll be excited to get home and, and take advantage of the home ice coming up here. And obviously, got to deal with jet lag again a little bit, but try and get our bodies re- ready for the next game, and it's going to come quicker than you think. So, Jonathan Taves obviously frustrated uh, with the outcome, but always you know using the glass half full positive spin approach that it is just one. They'll work on things, get them fixed. And as I said at the end of the post-game show, uh, Scott, uh, on WGN Radio, you know, uh, any sport opening day is always overreactions. And while, no, this wasn't the greatest performance by the Blackhawks, you look at what happened last year. A dramatic overtime win in Ottawa, followed by a dramatic overtime win in, of all places, St. Louis. You're 2-0, four points in two games, and everyone's riding high. And then you see what happens over the course of the season for both the Blackhawks and the St. Louis Blues. So important not to get too high or too low uh, because this is the first of first of 82. And, and the, the year before that, sod with a, a hat trick. Yes. Against yes. the uh, Stanley Cup Penguins. champion Pittsburgh Penguins. So, it, you know, one way or the other, you can't put too much into your expectations after the season opener. Yeah, we don't want to go overboard and pumping tires, but by the same token, we don't want to help people jump off cliffs at right. this point. <laughs> but uh, as Jonathan said... And as we brought up, too, this is a very important seven-game homestand. You cannot waste it. Uh, and uh, you have to come away doing some damage on this. Because the other thing you think about is by the time that Thursday game against San Jose rolls around, we're a week, eight days into the NHL season. And some of these other other teams in the Central Division in the West, they'll have three or four games under their belt by then. And the Hawks will just have one. 
So you're almost already playing catch-up against some of these teams you're going to be battling it out with. Yeah. Let's hear from the head coach, Jeremy Colleton, from Prague after the 4-3 loss. Uh, initially asked by reporters what he thought of the atmosphere. There were more than 17,000 fans, 17,463 to be exact, over at the O2 Arena in Prague. That is a hockey record for that particular arena. Uh, here's Jeremy after being asked about the atmosphere as the Hawks and Flyers played in the Global Series. Yeah, it was a great environment. Uh, great crowd, lots of energy. I think it's um, obviously special for the Czech guys to come home and play and, you know, an NHL game in front of family and friends, and uh, glad they got the reception they did. So, um, you know, credit to everyone who put the event on. They did a great job. Front row on the left. Jeremy, did you feel like the second period is where things kind of got sideways? Yeah, we uh, di- didn't mind our first period. I think, you know, Ultimately, we just didn't manage the puck well enough. We we turned way too many pucks over, and that's where um, you know we exposed ourselves defensively. And, uh, and there's going to be times in the game where it's not going your way. Uh, I don't think we made many plays, especially in the second period. But we got to find a way to limit the damage. And I thought we just uh, you know we we turned over. Uh, you know, pucks around the lines, and then we're exposed defensively. We turned them over at the end of our shift when we were tired, and then it makes it difficult to defend. And uh, we, you know, I think we had our moments in the first where we were good, and I think we had our moments in the third. You uh, ideally, you, you just kind of ride it out when when things aren't going your way, and then you can win the game when you're good again. And uh, you know, ultimately, when we were good again, we're trying to dig out of a two-goal hole. So um, that's. To me, the the tail of it. Right side, second row. Gilbert had the kind of rough turnover there in the first, but it seemed like he settled into the game. How? What were your perceptions of how he how he was? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, <clears throat> unfortunate for him. We I don't want to see that for him. It's uh, credit credit that he he kept playing, and I thought he he had some good shifts um, as the game went on. So, you know, he was no different. He's got to manage the puck better. And uh, but certainly he wasn't the only one. Left side, third row. Coach Nylander given a, a good amount of responsibility on that top line. What are what are you seeing out of him? And obviously he's finding the the goal sheet again. Yeah, happy for him to get one in, in the goal column early. Uh, he's got a heavy shot, skilled player. Finds he he created some space for himself, and and uh, obviously it's a weapon. So. Um, the more he can put himself in those situations, he can really help us. We'll do three more questions front right. Do you read anything into the faceoffs today, or, or do you look at those numbers? Or? Uh, I knew we were struggling for sure. Um, and they got some guys who are really good, and they have a you know lefty righty situation on, on a lot of lines, so that's a benefit for them. It's one of those nights, I guess. Left side, third row, three point night for. Patrick Kane, you got to be happy that he's picking up right where he left off. Yeah, um, he makes a difference for us. Found a way to, you know, it didn't seem like there was much ice out there early on. Um, again, we didn't make many plays. Uh, we, had, we struggled to support the puck, I thought, but uh, he found a way. He got a little bit of an opening and then uh, made it happen. Last question, standing up on the left, Mark. 
Uh, forgive me, I got here a little late. Um, the so much emphasis this off season and in training camp about the team defense and and, and getting the shots totals down against. Uh, I don't know what the final numbers, but it was twenty eight through two periods. Is there any disappointment that it? I mean, it's, it takes time, but it hasn't clicked right away. Yeah, we uh, we turned too many pucks over, and it's difficult. You don't have your structure. Uh, you know that couple seconds right after you, if you if you misplay the puck or they steal it or whatever it is. Uh, it's it's tough to defend, so we put ourselves in bad spots uh, repeatedly, and um, ultimately, that, if we're going to have any success, we're going to have to clean it up with a the puck. There's the Blackhawks coach Scott talking about you know a great point that you made earlier with the shots on goal, and it was a struggle for the Blackhawks. There were stretches of games where they were giving up 40 plus several games in a row last season, and they have to get away from that. Unfortunately, it wasn't. You know, a 180 from what we saw last year when they're giving up 28 shots over the first two periods, 38 for the game. That number definitely has to come down. You hope with game action, guys playing together, getting a Murphy and a DeHaan back, and uh, overall structure within forward play as well at that end of the ice, things are going to get better, and, and they have to get better if this team is is going to make a difference. I was talking in the pregame show with Troy. We don't necessarily expect the likes of Kane and Taves and Debrinket. We can't expect them to put up the exact same numbers that they had in career years last year. Yes, the Blackhawks have other players who are capable of picking up some of that slack, but the real difference is going to have to be in the defensive end between the goaltending and the defensive play on this team. Yeah, for sure. It's not a coincidence that the Flyers had 15 shots on goal in the second. Actually, had 13 in the first, so the most they have, uh, and uh, 10 in the third, as I said before. Most shots in the second period, not a coincidence. They get the extra goal. When you give up that many shots, you're going to lose a lot of momentum, and you're not going to have the puck to score yourself. So it's common sense, and something they really, really have to fix. All right, another big item of news. The day before the Blackhawks uh, took on the Flyers in Prague, as we taper on Friday afternoon after the game, it was on Thursday. Early in the morning, just after I wake up, all of a sudden Twitter's going nuts with Blackhawks news and the, the word that Alex DeBrinket was signed to a three-year contract extension. And this is really a, a win-win for both of them. And I, I, in, I guess in one way, it's a short-term win for the Blackhawks in their salary cap situation with what Alex DeBrinken has done in his first couple seasons and seeing some of the other price tags that we saw leading up to the regular season with some of these other restrictive free agents, the, the, the Marners and the Bessers and the Lines of the world, three years and an average annual salary of $6.4 million for what Alex has accomplished so far. I think that plays in the Blackhawks' favor, but when you, if, if Alex continues to do that for the next three years, then he's going to have his payday, and he's still going to be real young. He'll get out of that bridge contract that is now, and he'll be sitting pretty for his, a long-term deal for a lot of money. Yeah, he's kind of gambling a on lot himself. Of cat food. Yeah, <laughs> or for uh, Ralph Debrindog, his dog, right. here's some dog food. Uh, no, he's gambling on, on himself, and you can only imagine it's going to pay off after you've seen him go to his office in a left circle again today. Um, and look, I, I, I think credit to everyone involved. I think everyone, like you said, uh, Debrindog, gambling on himself, Bowman, getting him really 
at a discount there. And I think another reason, not just for himself and the money he can get in the future, but seeing what's going on with the team right now, you're bringing in some guys who are veterans, not too old, that can, that can play really well on D. You, you enhance your goaltending situation with Leonard. You got some some uh, sandpaper guys getting Shaw back. You improve up the middle. He's a smart guy. He saw what happens with the team. He wants to be here. So there's for another three years and, and maybe longer in the future. And uh, we use the phrase betting on himself because here's a guy who last couple of years has made under a million dollars, he's going to be making 6.4 on average. Yes. So it's a, it's a it's nice already, bet. It's not like you're yeah. really sacrificing a whole lot. <laughs> I believe it's called uh, playing with house money <laughs> at that point. Let's, uh, let's hear uh, the, other, the other point, and you'll hear Stan Bowman talk about this, is that that contract will expire in the same years as Patrick Kane's deal, Jonathan Taves' deal, and Duncan Keith's deal. So it, it, it gives the Hawks an opportunity you know, after these after these uh, four years are up to hit the reset button, see where everyone is, and kind of shuffle the pieces with paydays and who's who's playing well, who slipped, who do you want to invest in, who has this, this amount of value versus that amount of value. It, it's a it's a fascinating added element to this in that all four of those guys are going to be running out uh, of contract time. And we'll see where they are in their production values at that point. I think we might have to schedule a podcast for the first day of free agency. When that, in when 2023 yeah. or 20. Well, I'll send you the Google <laughs> invite for your calendar. It's going to be, imagine how crazy that's going to be to see what, what's going on with all those guys. Yeah. So let's hear from uh, Stan Bowman. Uh, this from Thursday, shortly after the three-year contract extension was announced for Alex Dabrinkit. Here's the vice president and general manager from Prague on Thursday. Congrats to Alex. First off, he deserves it. Uh, what a great first two seasons he's had um i think he's just scratching the surface i think uh you know score 40 goals in his second year and um i think he's got a lot of great years ahead of him so uh no i just want to thank jeff jackson he did a great job i thought we had some really good conversations and um you know from the beginning it was it was apparent they wanted to get a deal done and i think it was uh, a deal that, that works for both us and for him and rewards him for his performance and it, it uh, sets us up well for where we're headed how quickly did this come together and how important was it to get it done maybe ahead of time so you didn't have to maybe worry about it for next summer yeah sometimes things don't happen right away but uh you know it didn't take too long i mean we've, we've been talking back and forth for a little bit but uh, at the end it, it came together pretty quickly i think um it is nice to have it out of the way for now, and uh, you know, certainly starting the season, we can all focus on uh, getting off to a good start. And um, you know, but it didn't have to happen. Now, I think uh, there's a lot of time until his first year was or first deal was expiring. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, it just worked nice and uh, happy for him. It seems like the bridge deal is kind of making a comeback in the NHL. What's the appeal of a, of a shorter term? Well, I think. You know, each situation is a little different. In this case, I, I think it was beneficial for him and for us. I think it, you know, certainly the bridge deal, it allows the team some more flexibility over the next few years um, to to have some um, cap management. And certainly the, the player, uh, you know, is going to be rewarded uh, as you go. He's certainly still well paid in the meantime, and then he's still pretty young when he hits his next deal as well. So, uh, there's a give and take there, but I think um, helping the team have some flexibility while also rewarding the player. That's when you know when, when deals come together is when both sides feel that it works for them, and that's how we got it to this point. Unless I'm mistaken, his contract expires the same year as Kane and Taves. Right. Uh, is that by design? I mean, that's how things are done in the NBA a lot, where you can kind of just like have a clean slate, and distribute the money as you wish. Is that kind of by design? 
Uh, oh, by design, but we, we certainly knew that. We, we didn't uh, just find that out now. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we'll, know, we'll have more information, and that's four years down the road. So we still have this year and then the three more. I think we'll have a lot of things will change between now and then, certainly with the salary cap itself and with our team and our players and where they're at. So I just find that we don't have to make those decisions as to what our team's going to look like four years down the road. It's interesting to think about or for you guys to write about it probably, but we don't have enough information right now, so um, we'll we'll figure that out when we get to it. You've had a lot of success kind of building a core group and then building a team around it. How important is it for you to kind of restock that core group with a guy like Alex? Well, you're right. I think that's been one of the hallmarks of our team the last you know, 10 years. We've had a group of guys that have stayed together and done the heavy lifting year after year it's a team sport and it it takes a lot of different pieces to have success so um, you can't have a core of 10 or 12 guys it's not possible uh, but the way Alex has broken into the league I think now no, nobody doubts him anymore if you think back to his draft he's always been proving people wrong and there was always that question well he did it but let's see him do it at the next level and he breaks in and you know, he's 28 goals as a rookie, and people are still saying he did have a good rookie year. Let's see how he follows it up, and then he, he has 41 goals. So I think now we're past that point. I don't think anyone's wondering, can he do it? He had a great first two years in the league, and but I think there's more to give there. I think Alex is going to continue to expand his game and become an even bigger part of our team. So knowing that we have him for you know, this year and three more, um, certainly feel good about where that's going to lead our team. Nice work overall by Stan Bowman, uh, getting the deal done that he did. Stealth as always, because uh, we didn't hear a lot about negotiations going on. But uh, he, he he jumps ahead of a potential problem, a distraction. If this had gone on for most of the season through the end of the regular season, as he would have hit restricted free agency, uh, that cat is in the bag, if you will. We're going to get to our <laughs> new segment the uh, the slap shot segment that we asked for on social media on Twitter the hashtag slap shots for your questions for us it's uh, our second episode of doing so so we'll get to those questions in just a bit but first let's go from one member of Blackhawks management to another even higher up the totem pole before the Blackhawks left for Berlin and Prague I had a chance to sit down with the president and uh, CEO of the Blackhawks John McDonough to get some of his Preseason thoughts on the Blackhawks, the 2019-2020 version, as uh, a very busy offseason wrapped up. We can finally put a bow on that, even though it was, I guess, kind of extended into the DeBrinket signing. But uh, we spoke about a wide range of subjects being back on a big stage in this global series, the importance of that to the franchise. Also, the dynamic going on between Stan and Jeremy, as it's been now about 11 months since those two have started working together even more directly once Jeremy replaced uh, Joel Quenville. Uh, a number of other topics as well, the 10-year anniversary of the first of the three cups, the importance of that, the importance of br- embracing the past while continuing to focus primarily on what's through the windshield instead of the rearview mirror. But we began, began our conversation, which we also played in the postgame show on WGN on Friday, talking about uh, his feelings on what the Blackhawks have done from the end of last regular season, fast-forwarding six months forward to now in the start of 2019-2020. Well, disappointment has turned into realistic optimism. All of the areas that we needed to address, defense, goaltending, 
uh, high-scoring forward, adding on to our uh, third and fourth line. Those have all been um, addressed, assessed. You know, for us, the name of the game is to get in. Um, we have to be realistic. There's been a lot of change associated with this organization the last year with a new new coach, but Jeremy's going to have an entire off season to put his system in. I think the addition of Mark Crawford will be invaluable. Uh, he'll have Sheldon Brookbank for an entire camp, and uh, Thomas Mattel will be the first time that he'll have him here. Uh, he had him in Sweden. But uh, I'm excited for Jeremy. I'm excited about the opportunity. And it's a blank canvas, but expectations are high here. It was a long and overall successful run that, that Stan and Joel enjoyed together. What have been your observations so far as we approach the year mark of Stan and Jeremy working together and how, how that dynamic has been? It's, it's a little bit different. You know, Joel, by the time he came to the Chicago Blackhawks, had had a lot of success in the National Hockey League. He had won a cup as an assistant coach, uh, incredible amount of experience. Jeremy's relatively new, but uh, he's uh, mature. Uh, he's very organized. He and Stan are very compatible, but it's going to be a new system, a new approach to everything, um, and I think it's a very healthy relationship. Uh, time will tell. But what we need right now in our organization, we need to see progress. We need to see consistent steps forward. Making the playoffs is important. It's very critical. Uh, expectations are high here. Our fans are accustomed to seeing you know, parades every three or four years, and that's unrealistic. Let's be honest. If the world was fair, you'd see a parade probably three times a century, but it's not fair. But it's a new decade now. It's a new decade. So whatever happened in the past, we have to wipe that slate clean, and it's time for a new opportunity. Winning and, and star power uh, breeds exposure. That's the, the combination, and, and, and the Blackhawks have enjoyed that with you know, uh, winter classic stadium series games, hosting NHL drafts, and uh, you know, there's that jealous component out there from other organizations and their fans about why are the Blackhawks always in there. But how important has it been and how important does it continue to be that you're on these marquee stages uh, such as the Global Series this year, too? I think the outdoor game at Wrigley Field really triggered everything and took us to, from an exposure standpoint, from a credibility standpoint, from an acceptance standpoint, to another level. There was a sense that actually something good can happen to the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, prior to that, Rocky taking over, something different was brewing over there, and now they're going. And we went to the Western Conference Finals, and now all of a sudden they're invited to play in the Winter Classic at Wrigley Field. That's incomprehensible. So that was kind of a good first step, and it kind of set the table for a lot of the success that we have. But. I believe that the Blackhawks are good for business. So we've played six, seven outdoor games. This is our second trip to Europe. The game in Prague and the game in Berlin sold out within an hour. Uh, so it's high demand. Uh, the team is very popular, I think, globally. But it's not just about participating in these games. It's winning these games. When we played in Finland uh, in 2009, we wound up 1-0-1. We captured three out of four points. Um, 
but we haven't been successful in those outdoor games. I think we're one in five or one in six. But uh, it's a long way to go for one game, but we're proud to be invited. The emphasis in the organization, especially since since uh, uh, you and Rocky have put your stamp on it, is constant improvement, looking forward, being better than you have been. But by the same token, there's always been that respect to individuals and teams who have been great in the past. As you look back and celebrate as much as you can what happened 10 years ago and the, the first of the three championships, how important is that as well to, to bring those memories back while still looking through the windshield instead of the rearview mirror? Well, I think we're going to reflect on it because it's a it's an anniversary year it's the 10-year anniversary but we're not going to i think get swept up in the emotion of it i think it's the appropriate thing to do to recognize it to bring these players that brought the first championship back after 49 years but we've we moved on it's 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 younger players uh, in, in some ways, it's some of the same cast of characters, but you know we think we've got the right formula to win, um, and we hopefully, hopefully someday someone looks back on this year and they look back at this as a tribute season. How, how closely, in coming from a couple of other organizations before coming to the Blackhawks, do you still pay attention to the to the sports? the Chicago sports landscape and what is happening with other teams, be it the Bears or the baseball teams or your fellow tenant here, and you know, how close do you celebrate, empathize with, with what they're going through? And you know, are, are there any other executives, not that you necessarily have to name names, but you, know, uh, you pick up a phone and talk to every once in a while? Well, realistically, um, just the nature of our business, Chris, it's hard to win one. It's hard to win once. Because after you win once, you become the hunted. You're not going to surprise anybody anymore. Every building you go into, it's going to be the defending Stanley Cup champion. It's It's hard to win. Um, and other teams are also trying to beat you. They're getting paid to beat you. So, you know, to win three in a decade, we're very proud of that, and I do empathize with what other teams are going for. And, I'm, you know, I know George McCaskey, and we went to high school together, and I've met Theo on a number of occasions and uh, have great respect for them. And obviously the Bulls are going in the right direction, and the White Sox uh, won in 2005, but it's not easy. It's 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 not easy. So we feel very very fortunate. Yet there's an obligation because our fans have had this taste of success, and that's what their expectations are. I think with the advent of now that you know social media has taken complete effect, just the challenge to um, micro uh, analyze every single move that's made. You've got to you've got to set yourself back from all of that you can't get caught up in all of that but uh uh you know you pull for all these chicago teams to do well i'm from chicago and i'm from here and uh but but it's it's challenging and i'm sure they're going to prevail in the near future we began talking about your hopes and expectations and as you as you bring up the fans what's your sense from the people you come across whether it's at the united center or out on the street running errands or things like that what 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 sense do you get from them about uh how they feel about uh 
this team this year? And if you had a message to, to Hawk fans as we start the season here, what would it be? Well, after last season, they were extremely frustrated because two years in a row, we didn't make the playoffs in the year before we were swept in four games after leading the Western Conference in during during the regular season. So there's there's frustrations but there's there's optimism because everything that we felt felt that we needed to shore up has been but this needs to play out. It needs to unfold as long as our fans believe that we are doing everything we possibly can to make good decisions for today and long term. I never am concerned about their allegiance. It's if they ever feel as if we're falling short of that. So we're committed to this for the long term. Uh, We certainly need some things to go our way. We've got a lot of good young players, a lot of good young players in the pipeline who we're excited about. Slapshot questions. Tweet your questions to the guys at Boda Tweets and at Scott King Media for your questions to be read on the podcast. We go back-to-back back on with two men with great voices. John McDonough and Ernie Scatton, who are lead-in to Hashtag Slapshots. Yes, our listeners and our Twitter followers' questions during the game on uh, on Friday. We asked uh, folks to fire away at their questions. We got a handful of them. Uh, also on the on the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page, right, uh, right Scott? Yeah, so people can send in. We'll be mentioning a lot on Twitter okay. before games and more right. stuff going on. So, but so how much angst is out there? I saw some of it on my tweet deck feed from from some people who weren't necessarily hashtagging us, but uh, let's, uh, let's get the level of uh, anger, concern, or forget about it. Don't worry about it. What do we got so far? Well, here's one. We don't, we don't have to answer the question. It's just an example of, of people being a little jumpy with their, their questions and comments. Bart Tracy said, uh, this must have been early in the game, things don't look much different so far. Too old of a team now? A couple minutes later, just as I say that, Kane to Cat, pretty spicy play. <laughs> it's the roller coaster. It's the glass he, case of emotions that everybody He did is correct in. himself, though, so, you know, he, he owned up to it. But our first actual question uh, comes from, and it's on a Facebook group, so you can follow on a Facebook group. You'll see more of the content. Uh, the Facebook page, Blackhawks Crazy, uh, it kind of gets limited by the algorithm of Facebook. Very complicated, but Mark Zuckerberg uh, hates hockey and the Blackhawks. <laughs> uh, so Melissa Kwiatkowski, who actually has helped us out at the convention with some photos and videos, yeah, I asked, what players have you excited based on today and why? Have me excited. Well, um, the fact that Nylander was able to come through and, and make a play like he did on that first first goal, uh, I, I like that. Um, and... Beyond that, I don't know if anyone particularly stood out. Um, here was the weird thing. I brought this up. Uh, David Camp was getting absolutely killed in the faceoff circle. I think he was 0 for, 8, 0 for 8 at one point. I think he finished 4 and 9, you know, 4 out of 13. But in that first period when the Hawks had 11 shots, seven of them came from the Kubelik, Kampf, and Sod line. So that was really weird. I mean, it, for losing all the faceoffs to get that many shots on goal, it just it just goes to show what what the offensive capabilities just just might be for that line. Um, I generally like Kubelik. He had some some good plays um, in this game as as he made his NHL debut back in his home country. Beyond that, like we were talking about earlier, I don't know if anyone was really immune from from uh, any type of. Uh, Criticism, you know, with the exception of Kane and the three points, Nylander made a nice play. Um, 
you know, very, very quiet. By the way, Kubalik did tie for the team lead with four hits as well with Kajula and Dennis Gilbert. So beyond that, it's a small sample size for me. I don't know anyone else for you, Scott. A few, a few. One didn't even play today, but I'll get to him. Um, I'll go with Nylander, too, because not only did he score and have we seen him jumping on the offense throughout the preseason, but that was such a high skill level of a goal, right. I thought. You have kind of have seen hey, that from everyone's him. everyone's – they know it's there. Exactly. That part of it exactly. Is. For sure. And that's – I mean, you know, even if it takes a while to work on his defense, you're going to see highlight real goals like that from him, I think. So I'm looking forward to watching some of that. Um, you know, Robin Leonard didn't play today, and I think Corey Crawford is your guy – I think he's probably the number one all season, unless – Something really goes downhill for him, but I'm anxious to see what Leonard can do during the regular season as a member of the Hawks. And that's going to be an interesting call because Corey was not a Corey let in one bad one. Maybe some can argue a second bad one there tonight. That being the the first goal by Konechny, sure. and um, you know he had he had in the exhibition that they lost six nothing to Washington. Tom Wilson went over the left shoulder uh, on that shot. Konechny went over the left shoulder. There was a second goal tonight that went over that left shoulder as well. And then the Raffle goal, the fourth goal, him not his awareness of Raffle going behind and being quick yeah. enough and, and closing up the, the five hole there. So Corey, Corey's left that door open after one game. And to me, that's going to be an interesting decision on the home opener. Do you let Corey see if he can bounce back? Or do you see Leonard, who hasn't played, who will not have played since last Sunday? To the following Thursday, that's a long gap. It could be two weeks before he plays. Yeah, so that's going to be that's going to be. It interesting is, but isn't the UC's Corey's house though? One two yeah. cups. You know, I he wasn't he wasn't that bad. I, I think that could really shake up the the, the mentality maybe of, of their goalie tandem and maybe some confidence yeah. there if he starts it, doing already, that. If he starts going guy in guy out, it's already a curious decision after yeah. one game. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be very interesting. So. I think maybe I think mainly those two guys. I was um, you know looking forward to see how how things progress with throughout the season. And uh, next question here, and this is Who's from the next slapper. The next Facebook uh, question here from the Facebook page: Paul Barry, a Hall of Famer uh, fan of the <laughs> Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, said, aside from uh, Murphy and Dahan, that they can't get back fast enough. Why are the Hawks struggling so much with puck possession? Well, you can start with faceoffs in this game because they only yeah. finished with thirty-eight. It was twenty-seven percent in the uh, in the first period, and yes, yeah, some some puck management issues. You heard Jeremy talk about you know fighting to get out of their zone, and this was a bugaboo last year. And you know, through one game at least, the old we have our training camp under our belt, and you know we should be moving forward. Unfortunately, that didn't happen against a team that finished just one three and three in the preseason in the Philadelphia Flyers who themselves are working under a new coach and getting under uh, used to a new coach's system. So that certainly has to take a jump up, and you know, that also plays into the seven-game homestand. You're home. You're not traveling. You should have more practice time. And even though you know these loose ends are appearing again after game one, you can't spend a whole lot of time needing to fix that. It, it has to come together quickly. So the whys are, yeah, the communication not there, the execution not there. I think it's a combination of things. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, look, well, for faceoffs, first off, the Flyers went over 62% for the game. So, that, I mean, that's, 
Yeah, that's brutal. That that's so much time that you're not having the puck off the draw. Obviously, and we we talked about shot suppression before. Those numbers were way too high. So that's, those are the biggest ways that you can get control and dictate the play right there, which you pretty much already addressed, Chris. Um, taking a quick peek to see if there's ones on Twitter you want to get to. I think maybe we already addressed them, and there's one more. Oh, here's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> on the Facebook page uh, from Guy Batista, great name, not sure if it's real. Why is the defense so crappy? Well, we were just talk- we were just talking about that with you know with with the puck management, and it kind of ties into cr- crappy. Well, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that great <laughs> in this game against the Philadelphia Flyers. I- I'm fairly confident that they're going to be able to find things, especially when you get. A couple of uh, you know there there are some people. Here, here's the weird thing for all the all the gnashing of teeth and wringing of hands over a combination of Seabrook and Mata. That was probably their best defensive pair again to start the regular season. Here it was their best one in the preseason, despite the foot speed limitations that they have. Uh, they were fairly solid in that game, and obviously that leads to the screams of oh, well, if they're the best, you know. Where are we going to be? And I think they they will get better if, if once uh, Murphy and Dahan do come back, and that's no slap against um, that's no slap against uh, Gilbert and Cuckoo. But by the same token, I don't think Duncan and, and Gustafson had their best games, and, and Jeremy even split them up in the third period to try and uh, um, you know kind of separate their struggles at all if possible. So yeah, uh, that word, that adjective for the defense applies for the last two seasons. So it's time in the seven-game homestand to, to uh, take steps towards towards fixing that. It's going to be crucial that they do. Yeah, I agree. I think those two guys come come back and, and probably play on on Thursday. It might take a little bit, but things are going to improve for uh, the D. And, and I'll I'll say going back to Gilbert. He, was put in a tough situation where kind of with you, you didn't know if Murphy is going to play or not. He didn't know if he was going to go or not. Obviously, you always got to be ready. There's a big stage, and he's someone that <clears throat> I think I just asked Carlton. It might have been the last preseason game about his uh, tenacity, about the way he plays tough. And Carlton just kind of talked about how he likes his overall game and, yeah. and, and really liked him. So I'd say he's a guy that you'll see you'll see back when there when there's there's an injury. He'll play. He'll play. He'll play a little bit as a as a hawk this season. Yeah, and, and I think I think it, w- it was a growing pain moment. We heard Jonathan Taves talk about the conditions in there too. This is not to provide an excuse for the kid. And and to be quite honest, I was happy he got the opportunity in Me too. in the opener because I think he earned it during the preseason. Yeah. Duncan Keith raved about him a couple of that days too. prior to that, and the physical element that he brings to the game. A couple of big hits in that game against Berlin, that preseason finale against Berlin. Uh, he mixed things up here at the United Center, and that's an element that they don't have on their defense. Uh, he's been largely steady, and and beyond that, what should be pointed out, we talk about the turnover, but he had he had one shift early in the second period, early in the midway point of the second period, where he had a block shot, a hit, and a takeaway. So, you know, he, he very if people didn't notice that he very quietly got himself back into the game, and. Uh, I was happy he got the opportunity. I feel bad that he has that one glaring moment, yeah. you know, in a one goal game. It's the first goal. Ends, it's early in the game. Ends up, that ends up uh, staining him a little bit. But uh, he's a he's a he's a buffalo, a tough buffalo kid, and a golden domer. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure he'll bounce back. And um, I'm probably of the mind that you know uh, he's right there at the very least with Cuckoo. 
if the other six guys are healthy, he'll be he'd be the one on standby, and you know it could be a situation where they, you know, split the differences, split hairs between uh, Cuckoo and Gilbert, even though Cuckoo would have to go through waivers in order to go back down to Rockford, and that jumped up and bit the Hawks with the Carl Dahlstrom situation earlier in the week when Winnipeg uh, was able to gobble him up, but. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for the Hawks, too. No slap against Dahlstrom, but they, they're pretty deep in terms of those defensive guys, whether they're going to be Rockford or Blackhawks, you know, back end of the of the Blackhawks blue line core, um, that they have a number of guys that they can probably pick and choose from. So is that a wrap on our questions for this week so far? I believe so. I think we'll cap it there. A couple, okay. couple we'll uh, similar ones. We addressed them all. But, listeners... We will be tweeting the same request out again on Wednesday. Scott and I are going to go check out the Blackhawks' final full practice before the home opener on uh, Thursday against the San Jose Sharks. So our next podcast will come your way uh, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday morning, drive times for either, whenever you want to take a listen to it. We figure it's pretty important to kind of regroup, reassess, and kind of uh, build up for the home opener uh, especially since we have nearly a week of time to kill between now and then. And uh, yeah. we'll bring you a couple more interviews with guys and also uh, take a look at some of the amenities, a little deeper look at some of the amenities at the United Center this season for Blackhawks and Bulls games as well. Had a chance to talk to some of the Blackhawks executives about that. So any uh, any final thoughts here? Just take a dose of medicine, calm down. It's one game. <laughs> Right? Just chill. Yeah. Netflix and chill. It's going to be fine, everybody. Oh, and by the way, how was, uh, how was uh, Fonzie? Oh, thank you. Yes, uh, I did. Uh, I interviewed Henry Winkler earlier uh, today, Friday, and uh, he was he was great. He's, he's very generous with his time, and he's had a really hectic tour promoting this new children's book called Alien Superstar about an alien who becomes famous by accident. And uh, great stuff. Someone guess, stole my story. I, I know, guess. right? It's your autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a great stuff on on working with. Yeah, I, I figure everyone asked him about happy, happy days. I asked, told him that my parents let me watch Night Shift. They wanted me to watch Night Shift when I was a kid, and that was a great movie. I asked him about working with Keaton Sandler, uh, and of course Barry. So it, it should be I a good story Barry. with video uh, for Forbes coming out shortly. Very good. Well, that's uh, that's cool that he was cool. Yeah, about it thank all. you. And uh, all you guys are cool for listening. We really appreciate it. Again, we'll come your way again Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning, whenever you want to uh, take a listen to it. We hope to uh, put one out uh, after the Blackhawks practice on Wednesday ahead of the home opener. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our producer, Curtis Koch. Thanks to Ernie Scatton for lending us his voice and uh, adding some uh, further quality <clears throat> to this podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Scott King Media. That was great!